Hi, need a ride? Hop on in. I'm headed to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Come on, let's go. We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. Hey everybody, welcome to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Glad you can make it. Everybody get a seat and something to drink? Perfect. Now, just sit back and enjoy the show. As always, I have a lot of news to cover this week. So let's get right to it. I apologize about not getting the show out sooner this week. It's just been a really, really, really hectic week. So I'm trying to play catch up like usual. Now this week in news, a new bill would ban trucks from using Georgia highways except to deliver or pick up, make deliveries or pick up their freight. Three Democratic Georgia lawmakers have submitted a bill that would all but forbid truckers from using any highways within the state. The bill is known as SB 23, was introduced on Wednesday, January 16th by state senators Denzel James, Harold Jones, and Michael Rett. I'm sorry, Dazella James, my bad. SB 23 would ban all trucks from using Georgia highways unless they were actively dropping off or picking up people or goods. From the text of the bill, it, sa- it states, No person shall drive or move on any highway, any trailer or semi-trailer, unless such trailer or semi-trailer is engaging in the pickup or delivery of persons or property or traveling to or from such pickup or delivery. If the bill were to come to law, violating this highway ban would be a misdemeanor punishable by up to a $1,000 fine and or a year in jail. While it might seem that the truck ban could be tough to enforce, the section of the Georgia Code that the bill seeks to amend has a provision that allows for warrantless inspection for any vehicle that is suspected to be in violation of this term of this bill. Any vehicle suspected of being operated in violation of this article may be the subject of an inspection conducted by any law enforcement officer who is reason to believe such violation is occurring without the necessity of obtaining a warrant to permit such inspection. This article is from CDL Life and they have reached out to all three senators for comment on the bill Um, and if they get a response they will go ahead and update this article. Now my question is is it intrastate roads? Is it also including interstates? What exactly is it? What is the definition of their highways? This what CDL Life is reporting on here seems vague. So one second and let me um, pull up the bill itself. See if I can. Okay, it's, yeah, that's giving me a problem to um, pull up, pull it up. But if I can, 
I will, I didn't try opening up in a browser one second. The title of the bill is a bill to be entitled an act. It's to amend part one of article one of chapter eight of title 40 of the official code of Georgia annotated relating to general provisions so as to prohibit the movement of trailers or semi-trailers on any highway unless such trailers or semi-trailers are engaged in the pickup or delivery of persons or property or traveling to or from such pickup or delivery to provide for related matters to repeal conflicting laws and for other purposes i didn't like that last part seeing that i've worked for attorneys before yeah this isn't good it states no person shall drive or move on any highway, any motor vehicle, trailer, semi-trailer, or pole trailer, or any combination thereof, unless the equipment upon any and every such vehicle is in good working order and adjustment as required in this chapter. The vehicle is in such safe mechanical condition as to not endanger the driver or other occupant or any person upon the highway. No person shall drive or move on any highway, tra any trailer or semi-trailer unless such trailer or semi-trailer is engaging in the pickup or delivery of persons or property or traveling to or from such pickup or delivery. It would be a misdemeanor for any person to drive or move or for the owner to cause or knowingly permit to be driven or moved on any, they, they had street, but they crossed that out highway any vehicle or combination of vehicles which is in an unsafe condition as to endanger any person which does not contain those parts or is not at all times equipped with such lights and other equipment in proper condition and adjustment as required in this chapter okay so after reading this bill myself and the link will be in the show notes that you can um, click on it they are enacting this bill and rewriting this certain article of this title 40 official code for a semi-trailer or trailer that's not safe that's what they're talking about so the reporter in CDL Life is really paraphrasing and it's she's not correct. Um, it specifically states, unless the equipment upon any and every such vehicle is in good working order and adjustment as required, that all the lights are working, that it isn't a piece of junk, um, that it's uh, pieces, parts are falling off of it, this kind of thing is how I'm reading it. My personal opinion, reading this from a legal secretary standpoint and knowing the legal terms and legal jargon, uh, which uh, the reporter here at CDL Life apparently does not know, um, that they're not saying that no truck can do any kind of delivery, prohibit the movement of trucks or trailers, they are talking about unsafe ones. That they have to be in good working order. They're trying to get the log haulers, the stick haulers and everything, and we've all seen them, container haulers, this kind of thing that the, the trucks are really, really ratty, falling apart, you know, fenders are shaking, hoods are shaking and this kind of thing the, the wheels are shaking and everything i think that's their 
methodology behind this is what I'm thinking. Um, it also says any vehicle suspected of being operated in violation of this chapter may be subject to inspection conducted by the law enforcement officer. So how, in, in, if you don't go in and you don't read the bill, like I said, I'll have the link in the show notes. If you don't read it, or actually I can even download it and do it on the PDF, you would think that all trucks are prohibited from going through Georgia, period. Well, okay, uh, are they striking against trucks then is what my thought would be. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Please leave a comment in the bottom of this episode in the comment section or, you know, on Facebook, please. You know, I'd love to hear your comments on this. Um, it, you know, that's from w- reading the bill, like I said, myself, I, that's not what my initial reaction was wrong as well. And I could only go by what CDL Life reported. Well, after looking this bill over, then I'm like, no, that's not what it is. It is for safe safety of the motoring public, and you know that it has to be in proper working order and su- subject to inspection. So I completely get where they're coming from with that. So in under other news, hundreds of truckers were ticketed this last weekend. Remember when Pennsylvania was shut down with that big snowstorm and everything, and they had a travel ban and stuff like that on the highways. Well, if you went out on the highways during that travel ban, you got a violation for violating the travel ban. I mean, the truckers did. Uh, and a fine up to $300 inclu- and besides court costs. Pennsylvania police say that they issued hundreds of citations to truck drivers who violated the commercial vehicle travel ban this weekend, last weekend. And so spite of, in spite of the fact that the winter storm wasn't as bad as it was, so on Friday, the, the governor, Tom Wolf issued a travel ban for commercial vehicle from starting at noon on Saturday, January 19th, um, through the weekend. Because they were predicting more of a foot of snow was going to be forecasted in parts of Pennsylvania. So the ban forbid any com- commercial vehicle to travel on most interstates and the PA Pike. However, warmer than expected temperatures and the shifting path of the storm resulted in much lower than expected snowfall totals in most of the state. But the travel ban was lifted early on some roadways but remained in place on most of the interstates until the evening of Sunday, January 20th, in spite of the lower than expected snow accumulation. Now, that doesn't make any sense. You know, if the storm was passed, why not lift the travel ban? Pennsylvania State Police are reporting that they issued numerous citations to truck drivers who violated the travel ban. Well, you know, you think the weather is fine, it's passed, you're watching the weather, why not go? And instead of, you know, waiting for them to lift it. It's it's kind of like um, when they have like a marshal or a curfew. And you violate a curfew, you know, it's uh, the the law says you have to wait until it's lifted. You got to wait till it's lifted. Uh, Pennsylvania State Police Troop M, which patrols Lehigh, Northampton and Bucks counties, reports they issued almost 80 citations. And Troop R, which patrols Susquehanna, Wayne, Pike and Lackawanna counties, uh, uh, said on Twitter that they issued over 100 citations. So in total, it's almost 180 citations. 
Um, truck drivers who were cited violating the travel ban, like I said, could face up a fine up to $300 and in addition to court costs. So now here's uh, some trucking law from Overdrive magazine. And uh, he is speaking in this article about can drivers refuse to drive in inclement weather. So this is a law segment on Overdrive magazine and it's a new monthly feature for them and they'll pose commonly asked questions from truckers and owner operators to legal experts. Uh, attorney Paul Taylor addresses drivers right to refuse to drive in severe weather conditions. Every year he says he gets calls from drivers who encounter bad weather on the road, refuse to drive until conditions approve, and are fired as a result of refusing to drive. So here are some of the common questions that he gets. Do I have the right to refuse to drive in dangerous and road condition? Mr. Taylor responds, under the employee protection provision of the Surface Transportation Assistance Act, you have the right to refuse to operate a commercial vehicle if it would be unsafe to drive. U.S. Department of Transportation regulation state, I don't know why he says USDOT instead of FMCSA, that if conditions become sufficiently dangerous, now I'm quoting here, the operation of the motor vehicle shall be discontinued and shall not be reserved until it is safe to drive. This does not mean that you have the right to refuse a load just because snow is in the forecast or you because you think the weather could turn bad. Conditions must be bad enough at the time that you refuse to haul or start of the haul or at some point along your route that would be unsafe to operate your commercial vehicle. So if you did not have pre prior warning of bad snow coming, like a whiteout condition, that kind of thing, you, you know, really are, are susceptible to, you know, being warned or terminated, uh, given a warning to or terminated because you quit driving and the weather, you know, wasn't pretty much life-threatening. Unlike the depth of your tire tread or the thickness of a brake shoe, both of which can be measured easily with the right tools, gauging whether driving conditions are unsafe is somewhat subjective, he says. Are you driving in the mountains? or over a steep grade? Have you observed other vehicles having difficulty with traction and control? What are other drivers saying about the road conditions ahead? What kind of freight are you hauling? How is the weight distributed? You must take all of those factors in consideration and make a judgment call as to whether conditions are too dangerous. Like if you're hauling liquid, if you're light, um, in heavy in winter weather, I don't mind being heavy, you know, over 40,000 pounds. Um, in the summertime, I don't care. You know, how do I go about refusing to drive in bad weather is another question. And he responds, once it becomes clear that road conditions are too hazardous for driving, you must inform your dispatcher that you are refusing to drive and why. The best way to do this is usually in writing, hence your Qualcomm, your PeopleNet, your Keep Trucking app, an email, text message, something. Send a message clearly stating that you are refusing to drive because the weather is bad and the road conditions are unsafe. Now, a lot of times when this happens to me, I'm driving at night. 
Um, for example, I'm in the great city of Yuma, Arizona. I'm at a produce cooler waiting for my appointment time and getting a break in while I'm go ahead and record the show while I have the time now and I'm sitting and waiting for the cabbage to come in and cool down off from the field and that the weather is okay but if I go on up the road and it gets so foggy that I can't see well you doggone right I'm gonna pull it over because I'm not gonna run somebody over let's just say it's fog because of being you know in Arizona it wouldn't be you know snow or anything unless I go up through flag Flagstaff, but if it's so foggy that I can't see the hood of my truck or something like that, I'm not going to risk running over somebody because they're going slow in the fog because they can't see, let alone, you know, hurting my property and the load and everything else. To me, it's not worth it. So um, be sure to provide some details about why you believe the conditions are unsafe. Like I mentioned, fog, heavy rain, heavy snow, whiteout conditions, something like that. It could be snowing heavily, like he's saying, impairing visibility on the road, or perhaps you heard a forecast on the radio predicting imminent freezing rain, or or advising you, you know, stay it off the highway. Um, It's your responsibility to communicate to your supervisor why you're refusing to operate the vehicle. Another person asked, what type of documentation should I have in order to protect myself? Whenever you think you might be fired for refusing to violate any commercial vehicle safety regulation, keeping documentation is a good idea. Now, again, for the company that I work for, I have a really good rapport with the safety department. And I tell them all the time, I'll shoot them a text or an email or something and say, hey, you know, I'm parking it. They say all the time, we want you to be safe. We don't, you know, if you don't think you could drive in a safe manner, park it. So back to the article. In case of refusing to drive in hazardous weather, obtain weather forecasts from local news and information like from the National Weather Service. If you have a smartphone, take photographs of your Qualcomm and text messages documenting your refusal to drive and you clearly stated reasons for why you're refusing. Obtain the names and telephone numbers of other drivers who also are facing these same adverse conditions. I don't think, to me, that's not a good idea. Nobody's not going to really give out their name and phone number for that. You know, uh, you really aren't, don't have control of what another driver is going to say. Oh, yeah, it was great. I could drive and all this kind of stuff. I wouldn't do that. I really wouldn't. But he is a good. it is a good idea for the National Weather Service. Uh, if it's snowing and freezing rain, I come down last Saturday after that snowstorm went through Kansas, and it was glare ice. I had a, couldn't go in any more than 45 mile an hour. But I still, I had to get gone. I I rode the storm out Friday night, but uh, I had to get gone. So, you know, just take your time and and slow down. A claim under STAA has a statute of limitations. This means you must file your claim with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, within 180 days of your termination. You could consult with an attorney to determine whether you have a claim and how best to proceed. And just drive safely, slow down, and you know your rights. So this is a very good article. Um, I like this um, trucking law segment that they have in Overdrive uh, magazine. So I will keep looking for those. 
and um, it's going to be a monthly feature, so you can look for that on our show when it comes out, um, probably uh, about the second to the last week of the month. They look for that on the radio show that I'll be talking about that trucking law from now on uh, through overdrive. And in other news, a new concealed carry bill would make it easier for truckers to defend themselves across state lines. So if this bill passes, it would make it easier for professional drivers to legally defend themselves when they cross state lines. Right now, if you I do know if you have a concealed and carry permit, it of the state of your residence it depends and you're going to carry a firearm in your truck it depends upon every state line that you cross what their guidelines are for the concealed and carry some like i think it's illinois correct me if i'm wrong there again leave a comment i hope you would that i think it's illinois that you have to have the bullets in the side box uh the gun unloaded the bullets in the side box but you could carry the firearm you know in in your cab of your truck i just i just don't i don't agree with it um it's not because i'm a woman or anything but because of since i started this show last year and all of the guys pulling guns out because they're mad and the road rage and everything that's why i really frown on it i mean i just really frown on it if you're gonna carry a gun don't pull it out because you're pissed off you know you're just gonna get yourself in a whole heap of trouble and is, is it really worth it? That's what, that's what I wonder. But anyway, back to the article. A newly introduced bill seeks to simplify the confusing patchwork of state conceal and carry. Ross, Ross, uh, <laughs> y'all laughing at me? <laughs> Reciprocity laws. Try to you gotta have to look up the definition on that one, which would make it easier for professional truck drivers to legally defend themselves as they drive across country. On January 9th, Texas Senator John Cornyn introduced S69, also known as Constitutional Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act. <laughs> According to a news release from Cornyn's office, the purpose of the bill is to allow individuals with concealed carry privileges in their home state to exercise those rights in any other state with concealed carry laws while abiding by that state laws, quote unquote. The bill would not establish national concealed and carry standards, but would allow, quote, individuals with concealed carry privileges in their home state to conceal carry in any other states that also allow them to do so, end quote. Cornyn points out that the new legislation would respect individual state rights as they apply to gun laws while also allowing citizens to defend themselves even if they travel away from their home state. Quote, this bill focuses on two of our country's most fundamental constitutional protections, the Second Amendment, right of citizens to keep and bear arms, and the Tenth Amendment, right of states to make laws best suited for the residents. I look forward to working with my colleagues to advance this important legislation for law-abiding gun owners nationwide, to Cornyn. As of January 22nd, the bill has 33 co-sponsors, all of which are Republicans. Two similar concealed carry 
reciprocity bills have failed in recent years. Of course, because the Democrats always voted them down, but we're not talking politics. All right, this episode of Julia's Truck and Cafe is brought to you by Julia's Virtual Assistant Service. Have you ever thought about hiring a virtual assistant? Do you even know what a virtual assistant is? Well, may I suggest you contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service to find out how they can help you and your business. Do you have things that you hate doing? Are you an owner-operator and have receipts that you have to turn into your accountant? Well, hand them over to Julia's Virtual Assistant Service and concentrate on the things that you enjoy doing. From basic web design, social media marketing, bookkeeping to transcription, Julia's Virtual Assistant Service can help you and your business with the things that you hate doing. Any tasks that you have handed over to them. Contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service today by visiting their website at juliasvaservice.com. That's Julia's, J-U-L-I-A, V-A, service.com juliasvaservice.com please visit them today and if you have a need or something that you need to have them do and you don't see it on their website as the listed services shoot them an email and see if there would be something that they could work in and they also give you a free coat a coat ha quote and fast turnaround time with economical rates. All right, so back to the news. A local police helped stranded truck drivers find safe parking during that blizzard. Quote, also, thank you to any of the truck drivers we asked to move last night. Each of you were nice and accommodating under special circumstances in a strange town just looking for a place to sleep, police said. A group of Illinois police officers went out of their way to help stranded truck drivers find safe parking when the truck stops in their town were filled up during a weekend blizzard. Last weekend, a heavy snowstorm dumped inches of snow on all locations across the U.S., including the town of Leroy, Illinois. Leroy! Where numerous truck drivers found themselves stranded by weather without anywhere to park as both of the town's truck stops were already at full capacity. While law enforcement in many towns would have forced the truckers to figure out their own parking solution, Leroy Police Department stepped in and coordinated with local businesses to not only make sure that truckers had places to park, but that they had access to a hot meal. Well, that was awful nice of them. A Facebook post from the Leroy Police Department describes their effort to help out the truck drivers. Last quote, I'm quoting, Last night, officers worked for several hours to move many semis to additional parking areas in town. This is done so they have overnight parking for the mandatory resting periods. Also, so they do not block roadways in the city as snow removal operations are being conducted and so passenger cars can easily travel on our roads. Once both truck stops are at capacity and often during these events over capacity, these operations must be done. We ask for resources from others in our city during times like blizzards or severe weather situations. We would like to thank those that helped us last night without question. We would like to thank Alexander Lumber for opening the gates to their rear lot for us to move semis to over for us to move semis to for overflow parking. Almost didn't said that right. In addition, we would like to thank Casey's General Store and their delivery driver. Casey's was not delivering last night due to the weather, however, agreed to deliver to the truck drivers parked at Alexander Lumber since they were unable to drive or walk to get food. 
Thank you to Dr. Brenda Koob for giving permission to us and several semi-drivers for the use of Leroy Family Medical Clinic lot for additional overflow parking. Thank you to the Days Inn for opening their front lot for semi-parking. A big thank you to the City of Leroy Street Department for assisting us with plowing overflow lots and helping, helping keep our streets as clear as possible during this event. We understand many that were on the roads traveling last night may have been inconvenienced during these operations. We thank you for your patience with us to get this done. Also, thank you to any of the truck drivers we asked to move last night. Each of you were nice and accommodating under special circumstances in a strange town just looking for a place to sleep. Since the Facebook post was shared, many users offered up words of thanks for the way that Leroy Police handled the truck parking situation. Dave um, Hunerkoff wrote, In my almost 30 years of driving, I've only seen or heard of this happening a handful of times. Isn't it strange that big cities would be just the opposite? Those businesses would have the trucks towed. The exception was West Des Moines, Iowa. A few years ago, they utilized a mall parking lot in a blizzard. Gotta love Leroy for doing this. Well done, Leroy. Mike Milo Tongate said, as a truck driver, I'm proud of Leroy Police as well as Chief Jason Williamson and all the people who did make help make it possible. There are many towns that push trucks away anymore during the good or bad weather. I've had to drive at times that I know I could not see anything but was told I had to leave. Great job, Leroy. So kudos to Leroy, Illinois from Julia's Truck and Cafe. Thank you so much for helping the drivers out and giving them the pace to park. And most of all, for being understanding. We greatly, greatly appreciate you doing that. So top story is a trucker was held hostage after stopping being a highway, trying to be a highway hero, stopping to help a crashed motorist. A truck driver trying to assist a crashed motorist found himself the victim in an unusual hostage situation in Missouri this week, according to police. The incident began around noon on Tuesday at Holt County, Missouri on I-29. Police say that a woman was driving north on I-29 when she lost control of her car and slid into the ditch. A passing semi-truck driver saw the car in the ditch and stopped to try to assist the woman, who also had a six-year-old girl inside the car with her. According to reports, the trucker allowed the woman and child into the cab of his truck. Once inside the truck, the woman opened the truck's glove box, removed a flare gun, and used it to force the truck driver to keep driving down the interstate. The Missouri Highway Patrol Sergeant Corey Root said, at that point, basically a hostage, type situation occurred. She took her daughter, who we believe it was her daughter, almost as a hostage to get the truck driver to drive her north on Interstate 29. The truck driver drove the woman and child about 26 miles before Missouri troopers and the Rockport Police Department located and stopped the truck. But how did they know? They're not saying in this story how did the Missouri troopers and Rockport Police Department know that he was under being held like a hostage? The trucker and child made it out of the vehicle unharmed. The woman was placed under arrest and then taken to an area hospital. She is facing charges of felony kidnapping, felony assault, and, and armed criminal action. Police are still unsure why the woman took the truck driver who stopped to help her hostage. So, in CDL Life, she is quoting from... 
an article from the news press now. Um, so according to this article, it said the truck drove nearly 26 miles north of the accident site into a- Atchison County until several law enforcement officers closed in and stopped the semi. The driver was able to leave the vehicle while the woman and girl remained inside for quite some time. We're able to, with the help of the Rockport Police Department, to get that truck stopped to take the subject into custody. Um... Roots said officials are still trying to figure out, yeah, why the woman threatened the girl and the trucker who stopped to help. Um, but it still doesn't say, you know, who, did he call the cops? Um, what, you know, how do the cops even know that, you know, he was uh, in duress is my point on this. So I don't know. Now, officials issue warnings after a semi-truck ice missile injures a passenger of a car and there again all of these notes i'm sorry all of these articles will be in the show notes on the website you go under the cafe menu and you'll see show notes click on that and then you can just look at any of the uh go under this uh, um title of this show which is truck driver held hostage after stopping to help a crash motorist january 21st show and I'll provide the links to these articles in the show notes. So some members of the trucking community have come forward to point out that for commercial vehicle drivers, ice removal is a major and persistent problem with no easy solution. After a motorist was severely injured by a chunk of ice that fell off of a semi-truck in Pennsylvania this week, both law enforcement and members of the trucking community are taking a closer look at the problem of ice removal for commercial vehicles. The incident happened on Tuesday night in Smithfield Township in Pennsylvania. Officials say that a car was traveling on I-80 near exit 309 when a chunk of ice flew off of a semi-truck headed in the opposite direction. Okay, now Interstate 80 is a four-lane. I don't know if she was going east or west, but the semi-truck was headed in the opposite direction of the four-lane, so it had to go across the four lane, across the median to hit her car. Okay, something doesn't make any sense. But hold on just a minute. I'll finish the article and I'll dig a little deeper. The ice shattered the car's windshield and left the male passenger of the car so severely injured that he was later airlifted to a nearby hospital. The driver of the car was unhurt. State police say that they have not identified the truck that the ice came from and that they are treating the incident as a hit and run. The Marshall Creek Fire Company asked drivers to please remember to clean your vehicle off completely before driving. Pennsylvania DOT also warns that a newly enacted law states that if snow or ice falls from your vehicle and injures or kills another person, you may face a fine of $200 to $1,000 for each offense. Since the Marshall Creek Fire Company shared a post about the ice missile incident on Facebook, some members of the trucking community have come forward to point out that for commercial vehicle drivers, ice removal is a major and persistent problem with no easy solution. Um, one lady pointed out, Miss Henry pointed out, so for all of you non-truck drivers, here's a little information. Trucks don't have the space to carry a ladder and a broom high enough to clean off their trailers. And if they get caught by OSHA on top of their trucks, they lose their careers cars are supposed to stay double if not triple the normal safety distance in bad weather or after bad weather. Trucks are also restricted to the right lane unless passing. So instead of following a truck for miles, just pass them. Uh, Mr. Bloom says that the snow blades aren't always an option for truck drivers on a deadline. It's not as easy as many people think to clean ice off the top of a 13 and a half foot high trailer. 
First off, OSHA will no doubt fine you. Yes, there are snow blades. A lot of companies have specified personnel who are qualified to operate these, but they have other jobs that are priority. We are on a timetable quite often. If the load is late because we had to wait for someone to move snow off the trailer, someone usually gets a hefty fine. Guess who absorbs that? I got an idea. Stay off the roads during storms and let us do our job. Yeah, I didn't think so. There's more people now driving in crappy weather than I've seen in a long, long time. Most of the time when when um, you knew crappy weather was coming, shoot, I'd hunker down and stay home. Not I'd be running a dog on highways to look at, just looking for an accident. And in other news, a new list of state and local idling regulations can help truckers avoid hefty fines. One Utah town has updated their rules to allow for only one minute of idling with a fine of up to $750. They are not understanding that with all of our emissions controls and everything that's going on, it's not as bad as what it used to be. This week, the ATRI, American Transportation Research Institute, of course, focus group, released an updated list of state and local idling regulations to help truck drivers avoid costly fines. Two of the most eyebrow-raising new idling regulations include my home state of Madison, Wisconsin, five-minute idling limit with limited exemptions, one of which is the temperature is less than 20 degrees or more than 90. Fines for a violation can range from $25 to $200. Sandy City, Utah, one-minute idling limit with limited exemptions. Violators will be given up to three warnings before a citation. Not exceeding $750 can be in issued, even though enforcement trends tends to vary among jurisdictions with areas such as California and New York City being the most active. Regulations highlight communities that are concerned about emissions from idling vehicles, explained Mike Tunnel, the ATRI's Director of Environmental Research. We urge trucking companies to be aware of these regulations, not only to comply and avoid fines, but to be good neighbors in the communities in which they operate. So you could view the updated list of the uh, uh, idling for the state and um, listed here. Uh, there again, this article, like I just uh, explained, will be in the show notes, and it's a whole list across the country. Truckers Against Trafficking unveils custom... Kenworth in Washington, D.C. Truckers Against Trafficking last week unveiled his 2019 Everyday Heroes Kenworth T680 at a press event in Washington, D.C. Yeah, full snow. Speakers at the event explained the importance of stopping human trafficking and the need to continue to raise awareness about the crime. Speakers included Kendis Paris, TAT executive director, co-founder, Kevin Bainey, Kenworth assistant general manager of sales and marketing, Don Blake, new truck sales manager, Inland Kenworth, Phoenix, Rep. Andy Biggs, Republican Arizona, Carl Racine, District of Columbia attorney general, and John McCohen, UPS driver and TAT ambassador. The press conference was held to help raise awareness for human trafficking, and we accomplished that goal through our Everyday Heroes Kenworth T680 and the Freedom Drivers Project, said Blake, who serves as a TAT board member. There are even a local driver who passed by and decided to pull his rig over to check out our special truck. He was inspired after learning about the program and wants to become TAT trained and to encourage others at his company to do so. 
To raise money to help fight human trafficking, the Everyday Heroes truck, valued at $162,000, will be auctioned off by Ritchie Brothers in Phoenix on May 17th. Proceeds from the auction will go to help offset TAT program costs. Human trafficking is one of the greatest human rights violations of our time, as our president says. And it is going to take every sector, both public and private and bipartisan, and every individual, no matter their profession, playing a role in helping to bridge freedom. Paris said, this everyday hero's truck stands as a symbol that the American trucking industry is dedicated to doing just that. Before the truck is auctioned off, it will make an appearance at the American Trucking Association's Technology and Maintenance Council's annual meeting in Atlanta on March 18th through the 21st and the Mid-America Trucking Show in Louisville on March 28th through the 30th, which... I don't know if I'm going to make that or not because I have to be home on the 23rd. So I was hoping to make Louisville this year, but I don't know. I might. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I'll make it there or not. I could be broadcasting live. You just never know. And U.S. Express, our last article for this week. U.S. Express sells stake in U.S.-Mexico logistics business and sells their Laredo Terminal. They sold their ownership stake in the U.S.-Mexico cross-border trucking business, the company announced Friday. The Chattanooga, Tennessee-based carrier expects a divestment to generate $40 million in savings, both from proceeds from the sale and by reducing spending on equipment. This move comes as part of the company's efforts to improve profitability and enhance shareholder returns, says President and CEO Eric Fuller. UX I think it's U.S. and they put an X in there instead. Transitioned to a publicly traded carrier last June. The company says it hopes to generate $20 million for the sale of its 95% stake in U.S. Express International SADCV and from the sale of the Laredo, Texas terminal where the cross-border operations were housed. Express will also sell the 700 dry van trailers used in the cross-border business. The company said it has completed the sale of its equity stake for $4.5 million now and $8.5 million over the next eight and a half years. The company estimates the value of its Laredo terminal to be $7 million. 700 trailers have been slated for a replacement over the next two years, the company said, which would have cost roughly $20 million. U.S. Express says its cross-border business brings in about $50 million in annual revenue, but its impact on profit is, is insignificant. Really? Oh, that's right. You're the company that I reported on months ago that has a 100% turnover rate. Yeah! Oh, never mind. The company expects to record a non-cash pre-tax charge of approximately 12.3 million in the fourth quarter of 2018 to reflect the write-down of the total investment in Express International with U.S. Express and it had operated since 2007, the company said in its announcement. So I greatly appreciate all of you who tune in every week to listen to the cafe. If you are new and just found my podcast, you just got one of my business cards, Keep it because of the fact that's one of a kind. And you'd like to check us out at the bottom of every podcast show that I do, usually the current ones. The rest of them I'm just putting into audio so you can listen. But the very top one of the post, the, the newest one, you'll have all the links that you could listen to me on your phone uh, while you're walking or just waiting to load or unload or driving to work in the morning. Um I have links there 
uh, on the website at juliastruckercafe.com, uh, where you could find me at iHeartRadio. I'm on YouTube, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and um, and please like us on Facebook. And don't forget to join our discussion group at Julia's Truck and Cafe Regulars. On the website, I am trying to share recipes. I'm trying to get some Instapot recipes or some pressure cooker recipes. Um, Right now, I'm looking at one, trying to do a my own version of a beef stew. Um, maybe throwing a couple of recipes together. But the kicker of it is, I don't have the ingredients to make the, the recipe to show you that, hey, this tastes really good. So that's where I'm kind of at a standstill. Um, that, the recipes are cooking in your truck. I'm also going to add um, onto the link and put down cooking in your truck and recipes. So it's a little bit more self-explanatory. And I also share a page of stupid things that drivers do. Those are videos and pictures of the stupid things that drivers do. So I'd like you to add, also subscribe to our email list. That if you don't want to keep coming back to fi- try to figure out where the show notes are, you could get them emailed to you right in your inbox every day. Um, I l- I'm glad that you do come back and look around at the website, uh, which I happen to built myself, not patted myself on the back or anything. And in the future, I'll be having new things coming out. So if you're on the email list, you'll have priority in getting those new things that are, are in the works. And before I forget, please feel free to leave a comment like I asked you to at the bottom of any episode that you listen to. I read each and every one. Um, if you happen to have an idea for an upcoming show, please feel free to email me. And my email address is under the contact page on the website at juliastruckingcafe.com. So I hope everyone has a safe week. I hope that you weren't too, too late in making your deliveries after the blizzard uh, over on the East Coast. So everybody on the East Coast, please stay warm and dry and um, try not to get sick. I've, I've been sick a, a couple of weeks now with that mess that's been going on. So please uh, make sure that you, you know, stay healthy and take your vitamins and eat healthy and everything. I'm not your mom, but, you know, I do care about my listeners. And keep the shiny side up. And until next week, have a blessed week. Come on, join our convoy, ain't nothing gonna get in our way, we gonna roll this truck in convoy.